Hello, hello, hello. Is it that time already? June o'clock, I can't believe it. In fact, we're halfway through June. We're coming up towards the solstice. Um, well, I can only apologise and say, uh, where have I been? Well, I've been, of course, to Turkey, having a look at Gobekli Tepe, Diyarbakir. And uh, Dave Horrocks, well, I hear he's been having something to do with uh, some sort of football soccer tournament that's happening in Brazil. Anyway, we're back. I'm about to go again, of course. I'm heading off up to Aberdeenshire to see if we've got a Lost Stone Circle before then heading up to the Orkneys to have a look at the fabulous Nessa Brodker. It's all go. It's the digging season. But you want to know what's going on around the world? Well, let's see what we've got for you this week. This news, of course, is brought to you in partnership between the lovely Stone Pages and British Archaeological Jobs and Resources as well as Past Horizons, Archaeology, News and Tools. The stories have been collected from various sources and to view details in each story, including that all-important source, you're going to have to go to the Stone Pages website at news.stonepages.com. What have we got? Well, we've got an ancient tomb on Dartmoor giving up its secrets, vandals destroying prehistoric rock art in Libya, Bronze Age settlement being discovered in Aberdeen and Northern Irish Mesolithic settlement being lost. We've got an ancient standing stone in the hill of Tara being utterly vandalised, appallingly so, and a 2,300-year-old false tooth being found in France. Seems that the success of early modern humans is due to dog domestication, and the world's oldest trousers are found. Stonehenge builders, well, their homes get recreated, and they're quite nice, really. And students discover a 7,000-year-old mummy in Chile. I love this story, the way, especially the way it was uh, reported in the news. And we finish off with prehistoric hunting scenes being unearthed in a Spanish cave. A prehistoric tomb discovered North Dartmoor, that's in Devon and uh, southwest England, is slowly revealing its secrets as final analysis work on an artefact found within nears its completion. In August 2011, excavation work began on a cremation burial chamber discovered on Whitehorse Hill near Fernieworthy Forest. Coordinated by Dartmoor National Park Authority with funding from English Heritage, the excavation revealed an important collection of early Bronze Age organic remains and artefacts. I hope you remember this one well. It was utterly amazing. The find is now considered to be the most important assemblage of prehistoric grave goods ever recovered in southwest England. The assessment of the cremated human remains has revealed that these represent no more than one individual, with an age at death of about 15 to 25 years old. The gender, as it stands, is unknown, but the overall impression is of a small, graceful person. A number of small textile fragments were recovered from the cremation, their charred state suggesting that the textile accompanied the body into the cremation, perhaps worn as part of an article of clothing or as binding for a shroud. Analysis of the skillfully made textile and animal skin objects found in the kist have revealed that this is a band of textile made from finely woven nettle fibre. Stitched to the outer edges of this were two rows of leather binding with a fringe of outward pointing leather triangles made from thin calfskin. The object seems to be unique in northwest Europe. The fine decorative work suggests it was an item to be worn, possibly as a sash or a belt. An armband was also found within the tomb, the domed rivets made from tin and fibres made from cow hair. The use of tin for decorative objects is exceptionally rare within prehistoric burial contexts in Britain. I can tell you that. 
Cow hair has also been used to make a basket containing the majority over 200 beads, by far the largest number of beads found in a single Bronze Age discovery in this part of Britain. Seven of these beads discovered are made of amber from the Baltic. The presence of these beads strongly suggests a high-status burial. There's also 92 individually perforated discs and shale beads. The shale has been identified as coming from Dorset. Other discoveries, yes, it does go on, within the kist includes four wooden studs, probably used as these sort of ear um, plugs, or perhaps elsewhere on the body, and a set of leather belts, doesn't bear thinking about that, or a set of leather belts and clothing, two wooden stakes and some fragments of a copper alloy as well as an animal pelt. The painstaking conservation work was undertaken by Wiltshire Conservation Services and the artefacts will soon be transferred to the Plymouth City Museum with a major exhibition, Whitehorse Hill, a prehistoric Dartmoor discovery. It's going to be on from September the 13th to December the 13th, and I would highly recommend going on to see this. I'm afraid I've already seen uh, a fabulous television programme about this find, and it is truly amazing. Now, from the truly amazing to the truly appalling, where vandals have destroyed prehistoric rock art in southern Libya, in endangering and sprawling tableau of paintings and carvings that have been classified by UNESCO as of outstanding universal value. Located along Libya's southwestern tip bordering Algeria, the Tadrat mountain massif is famous for thousands of cave paintings and carvings going back at least 14,000 years. The art painted or carved on rocks sandwiched by spectacular sand dunes showcase the changing flora and fauna of the Sahara stretching back over thousands of years. Highlights include elephants carved on rock faces as well as giraffes and then cows and ostriches rendered in caves dating back to an era when the region was not the inhospitable desert that it is now. Now several of these paintings have been destroyed or severely damaged by graffiti from paint spray cans or people carving their initials into them. Tourist officials at Ghat, the nearest large town, said the vandalism started around 2009 when a former Libyan employee of a foreign tour company sprayed over the paintings in anger that he'd been fired. But the destruction has now accelerated since the 2011 civil war. Why is it that one of the long-lasting casualties of these conflicts is people's heritage? Very depressing. Now, archaeologists have uncovered the remains of an Iron Age settlement on the grounds of a proposed road and car park near Aberdeen in Scotland. Remains of the timber roundhouse and smithing material have been excavated. Pottery from the early Bronze Age has also been recovered from the field prior to construction work. Archaeologist Eddie Bailey from Headland Archaeology explained that it was remarkable to see how the land was continually used by historic settlement. He said that domestic occupation in the area has been found in the form of timber-constructed roundhouses with hearths and compacted floors, as well as the activity surfaces, which so far seem to indicate prolonged occupation of the same site, with several phases of rebuilding. The site appears to have been significant, in fact, for a period of about 2,000 years, with Iron Age occupation and evidence of this metal smithing. Quern stones used for grinding cereal crops have also been found, along with metalworking residue. This was a place of life and work for the Iron Age people of North East Scotland. 
A prehistoric settlement in Northern Ireland has now been badly damaged without any proper archaeological investigation. The Department of Environment said its planning department has launched an enforcement investigation to establish if a breach of planning control had taken place at Ballymaglaff in Dundonald in relation to archaeological matters. Northern Ireland Environment Agency sent staff to investigate the site after concerns were raised about the road access to a new housing development. Local historian Peter Carr, who discovered the archaeological site back in 1984, says it dates to the early Mesolithic, between 8,800 and 9,800 years ago. And more than 2,000 pieces of struck flint have so far been found in the area. The larger part of the site was destroyed in January during the building of an access road to a new housing development. Although the site is on the Department of Environment Sites and Monuments record, as a result of an administrative oversight, no protective archaeological clause was attached to the planning permission. The archaeological layer, which contained early Mesolithic flints and possibly other material, has been left in spoil heaps near the road. However, DOE planners say that they had placed archaeological conditions. Peter Woodman, Ireland's foremost expert on the early Mesolithic period, said that few sites on the island have produced such numbers of finds. These microliths, pieces of blade which would have been flint blade which would be inserted into wood or bone to create composite tools. Excavation at Ballymaglaff could have yielded evidence of the huts and post holes and fireplaces to help build a more rounded picture of how people were living in Ireland at this time. The destruction of a site about which so little is known is just a great tragedy. And continuing in Ireland and with a tragedy for the second time in two years, police are investigating vandalism to the Laofail, the 5,000-year-old standing stone on top of Hill of Tara, 40 kilometres northwest of Dublin. In June 2012, the stone was damaged with an axe. This time, however, it's almost completely covered with green and red paint. Visitors to the hill have been shocked at the site. And actually, looking at the photographs of it, it is truly appalling. The monolith was the inauguration stone for the kings of Tara, said to roar when touched by the rightful king and is designated as a national monument. Jimmy Dinahan, Minister for Arts Heritage, said that this is an act of mindless vandalism on one of the premier archaeological sites of Ireland. It's truly shameful. Ian Doyle, archaeologist and head of conservation with the Heritage Council, called it an act of cultural vandalism. Local people and others have a close relationship with the Hill of Tara, and this is an assault on their sense of pride and the respect, love and affection that they have for it. Well, uh, I completely agree with these sentiments. In fact, I've visited it myself way back in the 80s and it it really is, it's like the the heart of uh, ancient Ireland. Now, to France, where archaeologists believe an iron tooth implant may have been fitted to a young woman in northern France about 2,300 years ago. The new find replaced the only only tooth lost by the woman, which would have caused her no practical problems, but would have been visible. Although the Celts were renowned for their craftsmanship in metal and timber, little is known about their medical knowledge. The corroded piece of metal is the same size and shape as all the other incisors in her upper jaw, and may have originally been improved by a wooden or ivory covering. 
It was found in a grave at Le Chien in the Champagne-Ardennes region, uh, southeast of Paris, and is the oldest of its kind discovered in Western Europe, 400 years older than one from another grave in France found in the 1990s. The woman was between 20 and 30 years old when she died, buried in an elaborately constructed and richly furnished timber chamber near the graves of three other women, all originally surrounded by a wooden fenced enclosure. With her were bronze torques, anklets, bracelets, brooches, belt ornaments, coral and amber necklaces and an iron currency bar, all signs of great wealth and of a refined and ostentatious elite. The burials show all the hallmarks of a Celtic Latin culture which flourished across Central and Western Europe at the time. This was a period when the Celtic Gauls were in contact with the Etruscan civilization in northern Italy, known for its relative mastery of dentistry during the 3rd century BCE, although the partial dentures inserted into gold bands and fitted into existing teeth represents a rather different approach to that seen in the 3rd century Gaul. False or replacement teeth have been discovered in skulls from ancient Egypt, including a five and a half thousand year old one made from shell, intended to make the body as complete as possible for the afterlife. Now, although mammoths have been hunted by humans and their relatives and ancestors for at least a million years, sites yielding stone tools and extraordinary number of dead mammoths, some containing the remains of hundreds of individuals, suddenly became common in central and eastern Eurasia between about 45 to 15,000 years ago. Some have huts built entirely of mammoth bones in complex geometric patterns, as well as heaps of butchered mammoth bones. Recent work by a team from the Royal Belgian Institute of Natural Sciences uncovered evidence that some large carnivores at these sites were early domesticated dogs, not wolves. According to Penn State Professor Pat Shipman, dogs help hunters find prey faster and more often and can surround a large animal while hunters then move in. Furthermore, large dogs like those identified either can help carry the prey home or, by guarding the carcass from other carnivores, make it possible for the hunters to camp at the kill site. Another unusual feature of the site is the presence of extraordinary numbers of other predators, particularly wolves and foxes. If humans were working and living with domesticated dogs or even semi-domesticated wolves at these archaeological sites, we'd expect to find a new focus on killing the wild wolves that we see there now. Two other types of studies have yielded data that support Shipman's hypothesis. Herr Boucherens and Dorothy Drucker of the University of Tübingen in Germany found that the individuals identified as dogs had different diets to those identified as wolves, possibly indicating feeding by humans themselves. Analysis of mitochondrial DNA by Olaf Thalman of the University of Turku in Finland and others show the dogs have a distinctive genetic signature that is not known from any other canid. Since mitochondrial DNA is carried only by females, this finding may indicate that the canids did not give rise to modern domesticated dogs and were simply a peculiar extinct group of wolves. Alternatively, it may indicate that early humans did domesticate wolves into dogs or a dog-like group, but the female canids interbred back with wild wolf males and so the distinctive female mitochondrial DNA lineage, lineage was lost. 
Now, call them what you will, trousers or pants. Uh, I'll just stick with trousers, thank you. Two men whose remains were recently excavated from tombs in the Yanghai graveyard of western China's Tarim Basin were nomadic herders sometime between 3,300 and 3,000 years ago, making their trousers the oldest known examples of this innovative apparel. The two were roughly 40 years old and had probably been warriors as well as herders. One was buried with a decorated leather bridle, a wooden horse bit, a battle axe and a leather bracer, bracer for arm protection. Among objects placed with the others were a whip, a decorated horse tail, a bow sheath and a bow. Their ancient trousers resemble modern riding breeches with straight-fitting legs and wide crotch. Each was sewn from three pieces of brown-coloured woolen cloth, one for each leg, plus an insert for the crotch, shaped on a loom in the final size. The finished product includes side slits, strings for fastening at the waist, and woven designs on the legs. If you want to have a look at this, uh, I would uh, put in trousers and past horizons. You'll get a lovely look at them there. The discoveries support previous work suggesting that nomadic herders in Central Asia invented trousers to provide bodily protection and freedom of movement for horseback journeys and mounted warfare. Previously, Europeans and Asians wore gowns, robes, tunics, togas, or, as Otzi the Iceman did, a loincloth and individual leggings. Victor Mayer of the University of Pennsylvania comments that this new paper definitely supports the idea that trousers were invented for horse riding by mobile pastoralists and that trousers were brought to the Tarim Basin by horse riding people. Mayer suspects that horse riding began around 3,400 years ago and trouser making came shortly thereafter in wetter regions to the north, though examples from those areas are not likely to have been preserved. The excavation team, led by archaeologists Ulrike Beck and Maike Wagner of the German Archaeological Institute in Berlin, called the ancient invention of trousers a groundbreaking achievement in the history of cloth making. Now, from the deserts of the Tarim Basin to the, the green and pleasant land that is England. And in fact, it's time for, and I've been waiting to say this for ages, Stonehenge Story of the Week. Five Neolithic houses have been recreated at Stonehenge to reveal how the ancient monument builders would have lived four and a half thousand years ago. The single-roomed, circular, five-metre-wide homes are made of chalk and straw daub with wheat thatching. They're based on archaeological remains that were uncovered at nearby Durrington Walls. Susan Greeney from English Heritage said the houses are a result of archaeological evidence, educated guesswork and a lot of hard physical work. The bright and airy Neolithic homes are closely based on archaeological remains of houses discovered just over a mile away. Dated to about the same time as Stonehenge and large sarsen stones are being erected, English Heritage said experts believe that they may have housed the people involved in the construction of the monument. Excavations at Durrington Walls uncovered the floors of houses and stake holes where walls once stood, providing the valuable evidence to their layout and size. We know, for example, that each house contained a hearth and that puddled chalk was used to make the floor. And far from being dark and primitive, the homes were incredibly bright and airy spaces with white chalk walls and floors designed to reflect sunlight and capture the heat from the fire. Using authentic local materials, including 20 tonnes of chalk, 5,000 rods of hazel, 3 tonnes of wheat straw and a team of 60 volunteers, it took them five months to recreate the homes. 
Susan Greeney said that it had been a labour of love and an incredible learning experience for the volunteers. Now visitors can actually step through the door of these houses and get a real sense of what everyday life would have been like when Stonehenge was new. Now I did like this one because by the t- it had ended up at some point that um, a group of children had managed to uncover a mummy underneath some dog dirt which had uh, risen from the ground after an earthquake. But anyway, we eventually did get roughly to the uh, the basis of this story. The other one would actually make a very good horror film. A group of students have discovered the 7,000-year-old mummy in northern Chile. The mummy was found on El Loajo Beach at the foothills of Moro de Arica. The students were part of an archaeological workshop and were investigating the site of a landslide that had been caused by an 8.2 magnitude earthquake that had hit the region earlier in April. The students from the Escuela America school were performing an excavation when they came across the mummy. The mummy belongs to the Chinchoro culture and has an estimated age of about 7,000 years. Authorities from the Chilean National Heritage Office arrived at the site to investigate the remains. The Chinchoro, very fascinating culture, consists of fishermen's villages located along the coast of the Atacama Desert. Um, they're there between 7000 BCE to and about 1500 BCE. Well worth googling the Chinchoro culture, I can tell you. And now we finish with um, a series of hunting scenes dating back 7,000 years that have been found by archaeologists on a six-metre-long wall of a small cave in the region of Villafranca in Castellón in eastern Spain. But sadly, it's been kept a secret for now. A layer of dirt covered ten figures, including bulls, two archers and a goat. There's a joke to be had there, but maybe not just now. The the murals were exposed to harsh weather, but the painting's pigments have not deteriorated. Archaeologists discovered the site were undertaking government-sponsored research into another excavation area in the region. The cave was discovered back in November 2013, but its location will only be revealed once the security measures are in place after vandals defaced another 5,000-year-old rock painting in Spain's southern Jaén province in April. And there does seem to be a growing concern at this vandalism of uh, rock art. And I really do not understand it, whether you're in Australia, uh, whether you're in uh, Spain, um, Libya, uh, America, happening frequently. I really don't understand it. It is absolutely pointless. And it is destroying our heritage, not, not somebody's heritage, but our shared heritage. Anyway, can I remind people that many new archaeological and heritage employment opportunities as well as UK Heritage Calendar Library and Guidance section can be found on Badger. That's www.badger.org and more stories can be found at Past Horizons. You've not been there yet? Terrible. www.pasthorizonspr.com And more can always be found at Stone Pages. News.stonepages.com So thank you very much for listening to us and we hope you'll return again next week. And if there was any creaking that you heard there, um, that was Maggie of Past Horizons coming back in. Mm-hmm.